0: Hey out there, this is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. Tonight we're discussing opportunity knocks for the top 50 running back and wide receivers. Yeah...
1: Alright, it is August 30th. We are talking fantasy football tonight, the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Jason. I am joined as always. Thank you, Dave, for coming back, for not abandoning us again for two weeks in a row. Dave, you are back. I'm glad to have you here. You keep Um, saying the same things over and over
0: again. I am back, yes, yes. It is August 30th.
1: I tend to repeat myself. And this is the Drink 5
0: Fantasy Football Podcast. And cheers. I
1: repeat. I tend to repeat myself. Cheers to Cheers to us? Cheers. Cheers to being back. Cheers to the football season, being almost ready to go. We saw a bunch of Week 3 excellent uh, preseason action um, cool. over the weekend. And basically, um, it turns out every network loves showing preseason games. So much so that there's like blackout rules and all kinds of crap like that. Just uh, during preseason games when the stadiums are half empty and everyone stops watching after halftime. It's still that big of a moneymaker. Probably just to like have the games on in bars and stuff like that it makes them so much money. <laughs> Alright, so this is the Drink 5 Fantasy Football Podcast. We are going to be talking uh, a little bit more preseason action right now. Um, we'll talk about, um, you know, a lot of people have their most important drafts coming up this coming weekend. This is my favorite weekend to draft, personally. Um, I know we have a weekend full of drafts, so uh, we'll be getting ready for the drafts. Next week, we will be breaking down week one, so it'll be matchups and talking about uh, who looks good for the week and who to start and who to sit and all that good stuff. Um, But as we always do, we need to start by talking about what kind of beer we're drinking. Uh, I currently have the Lagunitas IPA, very classic, if you will, but you know what, it's an excellent beer, it's an excellent IPA, and we'll just enjoy a few IPAs tonight, nothing too fancy. Uh, Are you also enjoying an IPA, Dave, or do you have a different brew there?
0: Uh, This is Rev Pills, I've got myself a Miller Lite that I'm going to drink to more quickly than I should. And I'm going to move on to the Lagunitas IPA as well. So uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the evening. Like Jason mentioned, I wasn't here last week. Uh, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can join us in the chat room live. And if you're listening to it after the show, well, you can send us an email at jason or dave at drink5.com.
1: And we do have a question already, if we want to jump into questions right away. Um, Matt asks us, uh, what do we think of Andrew Luck this year? Obviously, Andrew Luck was injured a bunch of last year, and it really um, affected his, you know, ability to turn in a, a good year. He had, I think, was it a spleen injury or something crazy like that? And uh, even the games that he did play, once he was injured, he was not really, uh, he was not really all there. So um, I, I like Andrew Luck. I think he has the ability to be in the top five. I think that he should be there, but um, he, he's a player that I need to see that. First, before I'll draft him that high. So maybe if he's available still, uh, when like six or seven quarterbacks are off the board, that he'd be a good value. But I, I don't want to take him very early this year um, because of uh, you know his 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 not because he's been injured, but it's because um, one thing that you always notice, Dave, that you love pointing out with Andrew Luck is that he throws three interceptions in the first half and then three touchdowns in the second half. And anybody who is going to be you know, a top five talent needs to get that shit under control. So once Andrew Luck can sort of figure out that part of the game, then I think that definitely he's going to be an elite quarterback. But I need to see that. I, I just don't know that that's going to happen without seeing it.
0: Yeah, I like Andrew Luck. It's, uh, I guess you're not going to draft him this year, but it's kind of a risk-reward situation, right? And uh, yeah, You'll get good value for him. He's dropping down in the ranks because of what happened last year. This year he's got Moncrief that's ready to pop. He's got T.Y. Hilton, who's already a proven talent. Um, and uh, I think they'll just um, you know, re- return to form in some ways. And you're totally right about that comment where you're talking about the guy just doesn't seem to do well until the last half of the games. But the cool thing about fantasy football, right, is that it doesn't really matter if they win the game. It only matters that uh the the guy does end up throwing for 350 yards and two touchdowns. So
1: So <laughs> it's if, true. It is true, but you know, I when I'm drafting people high, I want consistency and that doesn't scream consistency to me.
0: Yeah, what's his ADP currently as a as quarterback?
1: Um uh, I I assume it's top 10.
0: Well, I, I mean, overall. So, like, you're, you, you were talking about him being a, a fifth or sixth round pick.
1: No, I was saying if, if there was six or seven quarterbacks already taken, you know, just off the top of my head, that's where I feel like it would be he would be good value. So, I assume that we're both frantically pulling these up now.
0: Yeah. Well, it, it looks like Luck is uh, going fourth out of over the quarterbacks.
1: Forty-two overall, so that's early fifth round. So, yeah, too way too early for me. And and we've espoused. You know, it doesn't matter who it is there necessarily. Like, you probably want to wait on quarterbacks.
0: Yeah, so our strategy is going to tell you not to choose Andrew Luck because you also shouldn't choose Ben Roethlisberger or Carson Palmer or Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers because they're the the quarterbacks that are going to go in those first eight rounds that you don't have to pay attention to. You can draft the running backs, wide receivers, and other skilled positional players. Uh, You know, like the maybe two or three tight ends that are important
1: Positions that are harder to fill Especially later in the year
0: But the answer is going to be Andrew Luck should do okay His team looks a little better He's had one more year uh, You know, of uh, Of uh, experience down his uh, uh, Down his gullet So I would say that he he should do fine But I wouldn't draft him And you wouldn't draft him Um, At least I don't think so Have you drafted any quarterbacks high yet in the drafts that you've done?
1: No, um both of my drafts, I got like Eli Manning and someone else pretty late, so uh, I did draft Tony Romo in a league that's not going to work out for me.
0: Well, but I imagine it was late then. So it's... it was—he
1: was actually the second quarterback. I, I drafted Eli and then Romo.
0: Well, see, there you go, having two quarterbacks on 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 a standard league. <laughs> I
1: wasn't—I wasn't sure, and you know what? It was probably a good idea. So I have Carson Palmer in my other league, and I imagine that he must have been a late pick because there's no way that Carson Palmer goes that early.
0: Well, you can't uh can't always follow the rules, but it, it, yeah, it, I got
1: him in the 10th round.
0: It's wherever you decide to start looking, I guess, you know. It's right. just don't get caught up in taking Cam Newton in the second round or something.
1: Exactly, but then again, if he's available in the third round, you know, we're not saying don't take him.
0: I am, we are, I think.
1: Third round Cam Newton, I would seriously consider
0: well, if we're, if we're sticking to our strategy, then it doesn't really matter. But right? I,
1: would say, I would say that, yes, that is, that is certainly a strategy that I like to focus on. But the one thing I feel like we always go back to is that we always say you have to draft based on the situation that you're in. You have to always be ready to adapt to things that are happening in your draft. If somebody of that value falls that far, then you have to really consider taking them, even if it doesn't follow the strategy that you had when you were walking into the draft. As long as you can still draft a strong team
0: yeah the, the smart people will uh, will change their team based on the, the variables at hand um, and those of you who need a little bit more of a guide should just take one strategy and, and go with it um so let's move on to injuries and and news and updates and things that have happened over the past week or two um first thing uh, that's the most important thing maybe out of all these is that teddy bridgewater starting quarterback minnesota vikings uh earlier today and we said it's the 30th um, it looked like uh, I guess the story is Vikings practice started uh, 25 minutes into it. They called an ambulance and everybody had their helmets off. They and... canceled
1: practice,
0: right? So uh, it turns out he had a torn ACL and a dislocated knee. It looks like he'll be out for the season. Although I'm not sure I actually saw that. Is
1: it really a non-contact injury that he had?
0: Well, I watched like... the I watched the press uh, the press conference earlier and Mike Zimmer was talking. Said he watched the tape. And that the injury itself was non-contact; it happened downfield, uh, away from—we're um, well, not down the field, but it happened away from anybody contacting. Nobody him touched him or anything huh? directly. So, How if that's you? if that's true, this is one of the worst non-contact injuries that we've seen in a number of years, especially because the the reports were saying that it was a gruesome injury that caused some of the players on the field to even spontaneously throw up.
1: Oh. Man.
0: So I I'm sure we'll... kind of glad
1: that like there aren't replays available to be played over and over again right now.
0: Well, there might be because
1: I'm slight you know I'm a bit squeamish when it comes to that sort of thing.
0: I mean they filmed training camp so there, there could yeah, be. yeah but
1: that that tape is all very like protected and stuff. They're not just releasing it. And, they, and you're right, maybe they do after a few days because it's you know, but who knows?
0: Yeah, well we'll see. Um, what this means though uh, is that they're either going to take the current backup Sean Hill and make him the. Starting quarterback, which they certainly will do from this time on, um, but they might have another plan. There are some guys out there they could trade for uh, and/or pick up that they could start in place of Bridgewater if he is in fact gone for the whole season. So two things: one, have you actually seen that he's out for the season? Says the team, or is that just what everyone's thinking because of the uh, uh, ACL? Blah blah blah.
1: I um, mean, that pretty much means the Vikings announced. That he suffered a completely torn ACL and dislocated
0: knee. So we're we're counting him so out yes, now. So yes, absolutely. Okay, so you're out for the season. Um, so Sean Hill fills in. So
1: here we go. Um, I finally can scoop you on this. The Vikings re-signed quarterback Brad Sorensen.
0: So they're looking for extra. So depth. he
1: was cut on Monday to kind of cut down, but obviously, uh, once Teddy Bridgewater goes down, you gotta get somebody. You know, ace that. Sure. And he may just be there to play in the fourth preseason game.
0: No. That. Yeah, he's not he's going to. He's not going to matter really. There, yeah. But it does mean that that they're taking this seriously, making moves already to, uh, to to try to head it off. And the guys that are available are Colin Kaepernick, who uh, could be gotten, um, Mark Sanchez, who also uh, has lost his role much like Kaepernick, and and could be traded for and received. Um, Josh McCown, who's in a similar situation, uh, where it looks like RG three. Um. Well, didn't he get traded to another team, McCown? I forget which team it was. There. Josh
1: McCown, I believe, is still on the Browns.
0: Okay. So they had said they didn't want to trade him, etc. But depending on what the offer ends up being, of course, you know the Vikings might not want to go with Hill for the whole season. And those are the the main targets, the main guys that are out there. Yeah. Um, there's also uh, a couple. Word of, on the
1: street is that they're asking too much for McCown and that he'll likely stay. But you never know what Minnesota is going to offer. Yeah. That would be a good fit. If they could get McCown in Minnesota, they'd be the best of these options that you're bringing up, I think.
0: Well, I don't know. The point is, are are they going to or not? Um, And they're going to have to figure that out soon. Otherwise, they'd have to bring somebody in uh, later after already starting Hill for a couple games and considering it a lost season. Uh, But the Vikings could perhaps, with one of these guys like McCown or Sanchez or Kaepernick, uh, come back from this to maybe make the playoffs or or at least have a... um, you know, above 500 season.
1: Yeah, possibly. Well, they have... They, they have, have a lot of talent around them, and I like their team, but I feel like with with no quarterback, with no Teddy Ridgewater, and the options that currently are in front of them, I don't see them, like, even making a wild-card run, really.
0: Okay, well, we'll see. I mean, Detroit and Chicago... Might not put up any kind of fight in that division
1: Which is why I'm thinking the Packers Now have like sewn up the division
0: Well I think that was the case already With one
1: injury the Packers won the division I thought that the Vikings had a really good shot At winning the division this year
0: yeah, well, I, I'm sure that all the Green Bay fans out there did not believe in that for one second. but
1: That's fine, and they don't have to anymore because yeah. it's certainly not happening now.
0: So so again, uh, affecting Adrian Peterson uh, in several ways, I I don't know that they're going to change the scheme. They probably won't, which means they'll still have him running out of shotgun for the majority of his plays.
1: They were already going to run him a lot.
0: Right, so it's probably not going to change his outlook very much, except that it's it's a possibility that without having Bridgewater there, you do lose a little bit of that quarterback threat. They might stack the box a bit more. Um, and Diggs, Johnson, and Treadwell, none of them were really going to be super outstanding anyway this particular year. One of them could have risen to the top as, you know, probably like flipping a, a couple cards over or rolling the dice on, on those guys. Rolling the dice at best. But... Uh, I don't think that that any of those guys are are worth much other than a flyer uh, based on their current situation. So so we'll see how that gets affected. Um,
1: so I mean, the way I see Adrian Peterson, I don't think he'll change too much uh, because they were already going to stack the box on him. You know, some of the time we've already seen him do fine and produce when they stack the box on him. Uh, so I think AP will mostly be AP. Maybe he drops to the end of that top tier, and everyone wants David Johnson and. Uh, Todd Gurley first, but I still expect him to be going before Ezekiel Elliott in most drafts. Um, It's the wide receivers that I think are going to be affected the most. We talked about them last week. I don't even think that... Not last week, but two weeks ago. I'm not even sure that any of them... Uh, you could say before the draft would have a huge year or anything, but now it's like, not only is it up in the air, but it's up in the air for less production than there was going to be.
0: Well, both Diggs and Johnson have had spots during the year, during their, their careers where they were one of the best wide receivers for a couple of weeks. So, Absolutely, and that's, I just
1: feel like that's up in the air as to who's going to be the best guy from week to week.
0: Yeah, and that's with Bridgewater, but that doesn't mean that a guy like Sean Hill or someone else they bring in might not find a connection or have a better deep ball because Bridgewater is kind of known as more of a game manager, um, whereas some of these other guys might take shots. So right. but we'll to see.
1: me it's so unknown that I don't feel like you can invest draft picks on that sort of thing right now. Um, keep an eye on it for wave wire pickups.
0: So Jamal Charles is not the feature back yet, according to the latest news. He did just come off the pup list recently, started practicing again and running, so it's not indicative necessarily of what the final... Um, the final carries will, will be for him. But right now, he's splitting carries with uh, Spencer Ware and with some of the other guys on the team, Sharkandrick West, etc. But it seems to me that if he's available and healthy, they're still going to run him more than the other running backs. That just always has been how it's how it's gone. So I don't really think that's going to change. I think they're just easing him in. Now, if you read the, yeah. uh, the news sites, though, then it can get you a little scared and might even lower his draft position in drafts because of what people read
1: that's fine the only you know you know jamal charles is far and away the best running back on that team andy Reid knows it andy reed also knows what he's doing right now he's getting his backup guys as much work in the one with the ones as he possibly can because he knows that jamal charles will be able to slot right in most of the time they don't even want to work these running backs out like remember watching hard knocks uh was it last week and uh Coach is just saying to everybody, do not hit yeah, I 30.
0: Haven't, I haven't seen that one. Well,
1: I mean, it, it's just like not even in practice do they want these guys to get hit. So Jamal sure. Charles knows this team. He knows the offense. He'll be able to slot right back in just fine. The backups are going to be stronger because they're getting more work right now.
0: Well, I agree with you, but I'm mentioning uh, to the audience and, and to us as well that since we have a couple drafts coming up, that this news might slot him down a couple spots. Uh, I, I I hope it does because that's uh, that's that's pretty decent when things like that happen it's kind of like a political uh, you know election etc you you put out like this piece of news about someone you can immediately see them gain or lose points and that could affect the uh, the results of the actual draft so I I kind of dig it it's like're we're, we're slandering Jamal Charles a little bit because he's not taking all of the first team reps <laughs> right but I mean there's also another theory here and that would be that Jamal Charles is healthy but they're going to Let them not take. Let him not take very many carries until the end of the season, because the Chiefs think they can make it that far.
1: I don't know that many teams actually like plan it to. I think once Week One rolls around and you have to start winning games, they will always put their best players out. Nobody in this league saves stuff for later. Yeah, it's just where and until you have things clinched.
0: You know, they proved that they could go out there and, and and win games for them. So. Uh, it's it's interesting. They they have a bunch of guys that can all do the job. But ultimately, I agree with you. I think Charles will be back on his feet and he'll be just fine.
1: Well, when he's not injured, he's going to get them over a thousand yards. You know, lots of touchdowns. He's going to average five yards a carry. That is pretty much a given.
0: Yeah. Devonte Parker. Uh, it looks like the Dolphins might have turned their uh, their stuff around, their offense uh, with new coach Adam Gase. But we won't be able to tell that until watching the first couple of actual football games. Um, certainly it looks like there's been some chemistry between Parker and Tannehill, very promising for fantasy owners of Parker's because he could be a guy who blows up, but he has had, uh, multiple hamstring injuries. One just, uh, just recently, and then another one a couple weeks ago, and it looks like he's either not conditioning right or you know, pulling things or not running correctly or not using the right form, or he could be one of those guys that just ends up continuing to get soft tissue injuries at this high level of performance. So that's not a good sign for, uh, for Parker owners and for people that want to draft him. Or uh, for
1: Parker himself.
0: Well, of course not, yeah. Um, but, but you're thinking this is a guy who's going to go deep and grab a couple big touchdowns, and he can and he has in practice and on the field. But, um, I don't know. This this puts a question mark in my mind. I don't like when people get soft tissue injuries because it doesn't seem like there's an easy way for them to get over it.
1: It's, it's the multiple, like the recurring ones that bother me. When you see Sometimes that... Sometimes a guy pulls a hammy and he can kind of come back two weeks later, maybe a little ahead of schedule, and he's fine. And it never comes up again. Those I don't worry about. You know, if, if, it, if someone doesn't have a history of it, but like you like you mentioned on this, multiple, you know, it's it's more of a red flag. I don't like it.
0: So we'll we'll see, but yeah, it's something to watch for and I'm I'm I, I've drafted him I think one place, but I might not be reaching for someone like that if I'm seeing these injuries happening.
1: Well, yeah, I've got him on dynasty. I mean, there's not much I can do. I got got to either I have to either turn him into some sort of value or ride him out for a while.
0: Well, you, you can't trade a guy like that until he actually does something. So you have to you have to exactly. wait and have him score a couple touchdowns exactly at least. And he might be fine, but it's something to be wary of when when you do hear that news and reports that uh, one player is having multiple injuries in the same location. It generally means that they're either doing something wrong form wise or their conditioning is not good. Um, it could be you know bananas. He needs more potassium. <laughs> I don't, but I think they'll probably deal that. It could be bananas. I think the, the team trainer will probably get to that before we do. So, um, <laughs> you know, we're going to do a podcast They pay next people week.
1: to figure this shit out. It's, it'd be surprising if it's bananas.
0: Yeah, we'll do a whole podcast next week on the uh, um, the diet of the players on you know Miami what? He's Dolphins.
1: A, he's a young <laughs> player. You never know. Like A lot of times these guys take a couple years to really acclimate to every single thing about being in the NFL. You know, 365 days a year. Which isn't the way the league used to be.
0: No, but but the other wide receivers, even if they're rookies or whatever, they're not getting hamstring injuries every two weeks. So just just watch him. Bananas. <laughs> or eat more bananas. Uh, Ladarius Green, he was put on, uh, on PUP by the Steelers. Um, it, it's a weird story because originally it was like, he's taking too long to come back from his ankle injury. Maybe there's something else going on. Then there was news that broke from a news outlet, I think, that wasn't necessarily reputable. Uh, about him having headaches and not being able to come to practice or not being able to do certain things. Uh, he was practicing, by the way, and he was doing light drills and, and this whole time has been running on the field, etc. So, whether it's the headache thing, whether uh, there's a possibility of him retiring, which has certainly never been uh, correlated by anyone else on the Steelers or Ladarius Green or his agent, um, or if the ankle is just taking him a really long time to get over. He's still not going to be playing or practicing until week seven.
1: The The only thing we really know about the headache stuff is that he was out for several games last year with concussion. Yeah, he had... And that's so- sort of, it's sort of assumed that this is from that.
0: I don't think it is, because after that happened, there was a huge blow-up, because the sites that said that it was headaches rescinded the news.
1: Yeah, so he's on PUP, and it's for his ankle.
0: But it could be. I mean, I, who knows? It's Hopefully it's not a job at best scenario, or like a Wes Walker scenario, where he just had too many concussions.
1: Yeah, yeah, you don't want to see that happen to anybody.
0: But we'll see. So uh, look for that later this season. Uh, If he does come back, there's certainly a possibility that he is, again, a top 10 tight end, because the guy's that athletically good. And Jesse James, who's filling in um, to start, is a second-year tight end, and has really good measurables, but hasn't really performed to a high level yet in the NFL and uh, wasn't their first choice, obviously, to be the starter. So I don't think he's draftable just yet in leagues, but it is a high-powered offense, and Ben does occasionally like a move tight end. So if Jesse James starts getting five or six targets a game, it could be good news for someone to scoop up off the waiver wire. Yeah, uh, Bruce Ellington, who's a really promising third-year wide receiver for the 49ers, Uh, our, our rookie expert, Sean Foss, he was just on the show last week. He was talking about him a lot when he first came out of college and loved that he went to the 49ers, was looking at him to be the lead receiver there because there are other guys. What do they have? They have Torrey Smith, Quentin Patton, and someone else. I
1: have have no idea who's catching balls there.
0: Okay. Well, I know it's those two guys. Garrett
1: Selleck, I think at tight end.
0: And Vance McDonald. Yeah.
1: Uh, Probably. That sounds right.
0: I've just, you know, uh, at home, uh, when I'm bored, I go and look at the 49er step chart and try to memorize it. No, nobody does that. They've so. got <laughs>
1: they Tory Smith, DeAndre White, Quentin Patton, DeAndre Smelter. Uh, they drafted... A guy in the sixth round. They got a couple of free agents.
0: So they don't really have anybody except for Smith, who hasn't been so great the past couple years. Ellington was going to come out there and, and probably be their best receiver. Now it looks like he is uh, going to be out for a long time, if if not for the season. Um, how long is a torn hamstring? take for a player to get back? Is it something like six, I believe six he's on weeks? the
1: IR, so he'll be gone for the year. As oh, the whole year. Believe, I'll, I'll double-check that, but I'm pretty sure that's what I read.
0: And Ellington was really the only good thing on that offense, except for uh, Carlos Hyde. Um, it's which, a
1: shame, because everyone loves yelling, BRUCE! Yeah. And that's not happening. But yeah, I, IR for the whole season. He's done.
0: I wanted to call him Carlos Hype last year. <laughs> um, but, but it doesn't, he didn't live up to the hype? It doesn't have that hard D sound, you know, like Hyde. Sure. <laughs> He's just, I'm saying, I wanted to fill in a letter with another letter, but it didn't sound like that I was letter. I'm just
1: going to change his last name and hopefully people noticed. Yeah. <laughs> mm.
0: Could you hand me another one of those uh, Lagunitas IPAs, please? Ah, uh, yes. So there's, there's been some other uh, news stories and some other interesting things, but we've covered them, I think, over the past couple weeks. And we do recommend uh, Roto World as a place to go to get some up to the 10-minute news stories. Up to the hour. But what you really want is, uh, and I keep pushing this, and I'm going to have an article out I think in the next week or two, of beat reporters from each team uh, and some national guys to follow. So not necessarily Michael Fabiano and the NFL Network guys, because they're really getting their news from The Wire, the same place that uh, RotoWire, RotoWorld, all those websites too. What you want is to get it from the horse's mouth. And these guys tweet the news while they're at camp, or while they're at meetings with the manager, or with the players, or... You know, they have personal relationships with a lot of these guys and they call them, call them on the phone, talk to them, you know, after dinner, go out for drinks. So these are the guys that you want to listen to. So yeah. we'll provide you with some of that information. What I would suggest, to be honest with you, is uh, just a friendly tip, right? I've got a couple of different Twitter accounts and Twitter feeds get messy. So what I would do if, if you were interested in doing this is go out, get a separate Twitter app. Uh, From the one you normally use and then log in on there with a brand new account and only follow those other accounts So then you have nothing. There's no noise.
1: You just have a feed of good Info
0: yeah, so whenever you want to get the latest news look at it from the place where it really does come in um, As the latest news and most leagues uh, After the weekly waiver wire runs have open free agents If you have open free agents available you're gonna want to have the latest news, and
1: these guys will be giving you the news during practice. Yeah, exactly. So when all this stuff happens, that's during the week.
0: So next time someone gets injured during the week, etc., you can scoop up their backup or be overly prepared. Uh, you can you can see that satisfying. You can
1: sell the news to other people in your league.
0: <laughs> sell it.
1: <laughs> Give me a better draft
0: pick. You can you can see that satisfying uh, frown on your on your competitor's face when when you, you don't
1: need a guy. Pick him pick him up because he's someone else's backup
0: right (laughs) it's it's lovely advice yes uh (laughs) so that's all That's a good sound. We should get them in studio.
1: Uh yeah, let me just call up Josh. <laughs> me and him are tight.
0: Uh so so this is a, a little segment I wanted to call Opportunity Knocks, and uh this this whole podcast is called the uh, uh top fifty. So for the uh for the top fifty running backs and wide receivers, I'm not doing fifty of each. We're actually talking about uh, the top twenty running backs and the top thirty wide receivers. We're getting this information in case you want to know exactly where it's coming from, from the Fantasy Pro's consensus ranking that's updated over the last seven days. And of course, that's going to change even if you're going to look at it now, depending on when they do their updates. So you're not going to be able to pull this same list. And look for updated Drink 5 preseason rankings to come uh, later this week or early next week. And uh, then we'll have the Week 1 rankings ready for the big show. Uh, As I'm sure you guys are... Uh, pre- preparing for those last minute drafts. I have one, two, uh, three, four drafts remaining. Five, Wait, I think. Five, you five, have. five drafts. <laughs> so I'm in like five or six leagues already, and I have five drafts left.
1: Oh wow! I have uh, only three yes. drafts, and I'm excited. I'm going to be the auctioneer at a, a serious leagues auction.
0: Yeah, there's some interesting uh, like things that I, I I should tell you about that. Just about you know if you're the auctioneer exactly how you should run it, but basically it's how you would think. Um, We could do a whole show on auction drafts. It's kind of neat. That whole strategy is is totally whacked. Next
1: year we'll do it for sure.
0: Yeah, compared to drafts uh, that run otherwise. So uh, the idea of this is to look at the top 20 running backs and the top 30 wide receivers. If we want to skip a couple guys, we can, but we're going to look at their fantasy outlook based on the uh, opportunity that it presents... uh, that presents itself for them in 2016 what i mean by that is let's say we look at todd Gurley, who's our first running back he's the number one guy who's ranked on this particular rankings list that we're working from so if you take todd Gurley and you look at uh how many targets he got last year for example um and of course this uh so
1: you're gonna need some stats on these running backs yeah I got you covered, Dave. I got you so covered. <laughs> you want Todd Gurley?
0: So pull up Todd Gurley as far as the uh, uh, number of carries.
1: Okay, so Todd Gurley last year had 229 rushing attempts, 1,160 yards, 10 touchdowns. Remember, he didn't play the first three games. Call it four because in the third game, uh, well, no. He didn't play the first two games. In the third game, he didn't do anything. Yeah, what I'm really but what I, we we did see the premiere, the NFL premiere of Todd Gurley, Dave.
0: We did, and it wasn't that great. And uh, that was also, <laughs> it was rather underwhelming. That was also when Roethlisberger got like laid on a stretcher, and the, and the and the field started on fire. Like that wasn't a bad omen to start the game.
1: You're right. You're right. And it, there was like one touchdown in the whole game.
0: So let's not get too burdened down on a lot of stats, but when we talk about it, it's great to have them. I think what we're looking for here for running backs is yards per carry. And uh, the amount of carries, uh, touchdowns is a great stat as well. And then if it's if it's relevant, then the amount of um,
1: unfortunately this page doesn't have
0: that. The amount of receptions.
1: Uh, well, we've got you know 26 targets, 21 catches for him, for 188 yards. Um, his 229. What I can do is just have a calculator. What is this Windows 10 thing? Well, I wouldn't know. I, I have upgraded to Windows 10, and I don't know where the calculator is anymore. That's the problem with upgrading things and being old. Okay. Is that I, I get old and I'm like, man, where did they put my calculator?
0: I'm, I'm sorry that you're, uh, <laughs> you're unable to find it.
1: Here we go. Oh, I found it. Bingo. So he had uh, 4.8 yards per carry. Not bad.
0: So I, And I've got some of that stuff, too. So you're looking at uh, 85 yards per game and 4.8 yards per uh, for carry and 10 touchdowns. Now, Gurley is not getting a whole lot of receptions, and I don't think that's going to change too much in that offense. Um, so we're looking at his opportunity here. So with 229 carries, uh, as you said, in 2015, and he was a rookie, we we assume that that's probably going to go up a little bit. Because, Even if we
1: just extrapolate that to be, you know, for the three games he essentially missed. Right. Um, so then you're looking at... Two hundred and eighty one, two hundred eighty two carries instead, which is going to be another, you know, four hundred yards on this. We're talking about moving him from being the sixth overall last year to being second or first.
0: So his opportunity really uh, stays the same, if not if not going up a little bit because they did lose uh, Jared Cook, who was one of their uh, uh, good pass catchers.
1: Right, and you know the the arrow is certainly pointing up for Todd Gurley.
0: Yeah, so, so that's a good example of uh, where he's going to go. If you're saying 4.8, I'm looking at most running backs as um, they need to have a yards per carry higher than like a 4.5 to, to be secure in their position generally as, a, uh, as like a bell cow running back. Yeah, yeah. If, if they've got lower than that, that's like 3.5 or 4, then you're looking at them to, to be replaced kind of at a whim by the coach if somebody better comes up uh, through the breeze there. So I think we both agree he's in a good position. Uh, let's look at David Johnson.
1: Yeah, I think we agree generally on this whole top tier about where they're at, I would assume.
0: Well, the, the idea is uh, where is the arrow pointing, really? Is the opportunity there for more, or is it going to stay the same, or is because of the changes in the team in the offseason or losses due to injury, will it go down?
1: So, again, last year David Johnson was 8th uh, overall, 7th overall overall. Uh, He had 125 carries for 581 yards, eight touchdowns on the ground, another 36 catches and four touchdowns in the air, a return touchdown as well. Uh, He scored 13 touchdowns, and I know that he pretty much played in every game, but he certainly didn't start. He certainly didn't get a significant number of carries in all but a handful of games.
0: Yeah, well, like I said, let's not get too bogged down with all the numbers because it can get a little confusing.
1: Well, my point is that you know his numbers may be the the most fun to extrapolate because he's going to be putting up monster numbers. Like He's going to have a lot of catches. If you're in a PPR league, you probably want him first overall.
0: He didn't start really uh, taking the bulk of the carries until week 12. Uh, and There was a number of weeks, like between week, week 4 and week 11, where he didn't take more than three carries with the football any of those games. Um, yeah. So so yes, his numbers are crazy if he's able to keep up with them. He did have an average of 4.6 yards per carry which is not too great, but, but keep in mind that, uh, that he was a, a rookie that was not taking that many carries during the game. And, uh, and you know, most uh, running backs tend to get a little better as they have more opportunities to, to be good.
1: And yeah, and he's certainly one of those guys that does get better as he gets more carries.
0: So based on the Arizona offense, uh, is that something where we're looking at um, the arrow still sort of pointing the same direction
1: or up? <laughs> up at this point for him because you know i mean he he's going to have more opportunity that translates to up by arrow for me
0: yep okay so uh, so AP we haven't gotten to see him really in the uh, in the preseason but we never do you never see AP in the preseason games right. because they don't want what happened to bridgewater to happen to uh, to their star running back so last year he had an average of 4.5 and you can fill us in on the uh, the yardage or the touchdowns or whatever. But we
1: had fourteen hundred eighty five yards. That was huge. Eleven touchdowns. That's you know, if you're not scoring touchdowns, then you then you're just a frustrating player.
0: Yeah. So um, for him, he's he's kind of averaged out these touchdowns for all the years he's played at around eleven touchdowns per year. Um, would we say then that he's likely to, to continue this uh, being in sort of an even keel and get about 1,500 yards and, and 11 touchdowns again?
1: I don't see why not. I think that he's going to get that regardless of who's playing quarterback for him because they will have somebody who can throw the ball. Yeah, you've looked at this. It's not like it's going to be
0: terrible. Over previous years, uh, you know, regardless of who was under center, he's had very consistent statistics. And he's been perhaps the most consistent out of all the running backs. And he's not going to get a lot of receiving touchdowns or many receptions in general, especially because they do have some third down back options. But I, I agree. I think it's going to be the same. I don't think the opportunities goes up for him, especially certainly not up due anymore. to this injury. Yeah, exactly.
1: Right. But it, I'd say the arrow is pointing sideways. He's not quite going down because you know because of the injury they're going to lean on him a little bit more. So that'll kind of cancel out any of the ill effects of not having Teddy Bridgewater there anymore.
0: The sideways pointing arrow. Right. <laughs> Uh,
1: it is a non vote. So, a, Not an up vote nor a down vote.
0: Ezekiel Elliott is uh, the number four overall, and here's a guy who we don't really have anything on except a promise and a good offensive line, um, which does mean a lot.
1: He doesn't have the same numbers as Derrick Henry. Nobody has the numbers of Derrick Henry. <laughs>
0: I'm going to get infatuated by this guy who's, who's not even going to play that much on Tennessee yet. He has
1: incredible numbers. He's going to play a lot.
0: Okay. You'll see, Dave. We, we already talked about this last week, right? And, and the fact is that Tennessee is going to be behind in every single game, so I don't see how they're going to just have Henry out there. It doesn't make a lot of sense. But okay. I, I would love to uh, to bet on some Derrick Henry numbers. <laughs> anyway, uh, with, with Ezekiel Elliott, if we look at the opportunity, then we see that Tony Romo just got injured. Um, and they still have a good receiving core. They have a good offensive line. They have uh, good talent in other places. That should mean that the um, that the opportunity for Ezekiel Elliott goes up because they'll, they'll likely run the ball even more now to stabilize the offense. Yeah, I mean,
1: look, Elliott has a 6.7 yards per carry career average in college. I
0: can't use the college statistics. Over
1: 1,800 yards each of the last two years. 18 and then 23 touchdowns.
0: Well, I can't use the college stats though.
1: I'm using them anyways. They, well, they don't
0: mean anything in <laughs> the don't. NFL. They don't. But I, but I get it. We, we, I mean, there's a reason why he was drafted, you know, number one. Well, and I mean, it's
1: then, not like he played for you know, middle bumblefuck Idaho.
0: It doesn't matter. He played
1: for Ohio State.
0: It doesn't matter. They're all like 20 year olds, man. You know, it's, it's just a different game. So, I think we all know that Ezekiel Elliott did well in college. And and so did Derrick Henry. So did and so everybody. Did all these guys. Yeah. Otherwise, they wouldn't have been drafted. Um, and you have a point. Like these stats, they're not just going to. Uh, in general, these guys are are still going to do well. They're not just going to fade into oblivion. Um, you know, for for weird reasons. But in this situation that he's in, it's a great situation. And we still have Des Bryant as a deep threat. And it's not like um, Dak Prescott, who's going to fill in for Tony Romo for at least the first six or seven games. It's not like he's not going to throw the ball to Des Bryant downfield. So, I mean, they still can't really do too much box stacking on the on the Dallas Cowboys.
1: Right. I mean, there is a lot of talent there. They're going to You have to account for Des Bryant even if I'm throwing him the ball cuz he's going to catch it no matter what.
0: Yeah, and he looks to be pretty crazy this year. He's all riled up.
1: <laughs> oh, he's pissed that like he couldn't play last year and that it went so bad. So, you know, he wants he wants redemption.
0: Exactly. So, uh okay. Next guy we've got is uh Lamar Miller who's number five. According- so this
1: starts our second tier.
0: Well, it, as 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 recorded by, by Fantasy Pros.
1: Well you split the tiers, didn't you? No,
0: I didn't. That, that's included now on Fantasy Pros. They've they've put in tier systems. Oh,
1: I didn't realize that.
0: Um So for him, he's a fifth-year guy who uh, he always did good when he got a whole bunch of carries. He did well, rather. Uh, And he's only been in the league for four years. Always played for Miami. uh, And he's never had more than 216 rushes because they didn't really want to make him the bell cow bell cow, even though he got 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns in 2014. So last year, he averaged 4.5 yards per carry and he had eight touchdowns on the ground, and he had 47 receptions, which I think is a very interesting stat because it went up in his career from 6 to 26 to 38 to 47. Now that he's on the Houston Texans, I feel like they're going to try to use him more like an Arian Foster and be like the every-down guy there, and I think Lamar Miller is going to blow up ridiculously. That's Uh, my opinion. I think
1: that he definitely has the possibility for that. He had 10 touchdowns last year. Yeah, Uh, I think that he can... You know, I think he'll probably be good for ten touchdowns again this year, uh, and another twelve hundred plus yards from scrimmage. The question is, do you think? I mean, you know, almost fifty catches a year is going to put him in the top, you know, couple of running backs. Do you think that he goes from like fifty to seventy plus? Because that's going to be a huge, you know, jump in his numbers again.
0: Not necessarily, but I think that he he stays at least at that like forty seven to fifty number, which is still a lot more than guys we were just talking about. Sure.
1: So Lamar Miller was the sixth finished sixth overall at running back last year. Right. So if you can draft him, you know, if you can draft a guy second overall and he finishes third overall, you got to be happy with that. So if you draft a guy, you know, uh, where he's fifth overall and he's going to finish sixth overall, go for it.
0: Yeah, this becomes a very difficult decision because like we we talked about in our draft show, we would rather take the wide receivers first, especially in these middle round guys when you're taking someone like Miller or um, Ezekiel Elliott, when you don't really know how they're going to perform or if they even will be healthy for, for the whole year. But these are definitely also guys that if you hit the right one, you know, it could take you right to the championship.
1: Exactly. And, and you can just look at the point spread from last year to know that like it, it only takes a couple. You had Devonta Freeman and Adrian Peterson up there above 230 and then the next guy was Doug Martin at 199 and by the time you get to Lamar Miller at six, he was only at 184. So you know the difference between Adrian Peterson and Lamar Miller was almost 50 points. You know that's three points a week. That's more than you know the, the margin of victory for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, and as far as the as the case for this opportunity Knox thing is concerned, uh, Lamar Miller was never given the chance as the main main running back. Um, true. for a whole year, and they are doing exactly that in Houston this year, at least to start off the season. So this is his chance. So as far as the the way the arrow points, it's it's currently sitting in the up upright position, <laughs> uh, which I guess is why he's he's up there at number five.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think he's an up arrow as well.
0: So let's talk about Le'Veon Bell. He had a uh, suspension, and he's number six here. He had a suspension for four games. That got worked down to three. That means he is going to play 13 games in the regular season. So if he doesn't get injured, then his numbers will probably be staggering based on his uh, previous statistics, right?
1: Based on his like per-game average, yeah, absolutely. Um, but you know, last year, it really didn't live up to the hype at all. So we need to see um, good Le'Veon Bell. I still
0: because he played six games.
1: Uh, right. Yeah, that doesn't help. No, that doesn't help anyone. So it not only did he play six games, but like you know, one of the games he was uh, coming back in the middle of the season, so you struggle, and then the other game he got hurt in. So like, if you say that he only played five games, then all of a sudden you look at his per game average. It was still pretty strong. So um, I, I like Le'Veon Bell this year. I uh, broke my wide receiver rule and did draft him in a league. Uh, I believe that he was a second-rounder, though.
0: I think he's going in the, in the second round mostly, right? Uh, it would make sense. Say, say you've got a 10- or a 12-team league. Um, if the top five guys are going according to what they currently are based on this, you've got five backs, and then you usually probably have at least four or five wide receivers and maybe a Gronkowski.
1: So he was two seven in our seventeenth um, overall in the Drink Five League, mm-hmm. which is where I would expect him to go.
0: So you are getting a mid mid second to early to mid second value um, from a guy who could who should be in the first. Who could round. Could be
1: first round value easily.
0: Yeah, uh, we talked about Jamal Charles earlier. He's number seven. So Jamal Charles is a is a kind of a tricky situation to be honest. Uh, because of the fact that he did just come off a torn ACL. And before that, he had had another torn ACL on, I think, his other leg. So it's not even the same leg, which I don't know if that's good or bad, to be honest. Uh, And last year, we can't really look at his stats too much, but suffice to say that every single year he's played football in the NFL, his average has been over 5.0 yards per, per carry, and he's gotten a ton of receptions. So, like we talked about earlier, if he can do that again and be the main guy in that offense, then he, he's going to be great. But are you worried about his, um, about his health because he's had those two torn ACLs? Or is that just something that happens to football players now, then six months later is they're fine?
1: I think it just happens at this point. I think that <laughs> a lot of guys are able to you know, get the right kind of treatment and recover from it and work hard to get back in the game and play well. My question, though, is one that uh, I asked last week. Would Jamal Charles be faster if he uh, cut off his dreadlocks?
0: Uh, well, and the answer was, uh, the answer is yes, because that's weight.
1: <laughs> right.
0: But Four like pounds
1: Sean, of weight on Richard Perriman. That's crazy.
0: B- but like Sean said, it's uh, it's really more about, like, do you really need to wear those when people can grab them and tackle you with them?
1: Exactly. That's the, that's the big problem
0: <laughs> because the the hair is going to be there. It's not going to. It's not going to come off. You wear false
1: breakaway dreads,
0: <laughs> breakaway dreads.
1: Then guys could reach for it and just have a handful of hair. There's no way. Watch the, you score a touchdown.
0: There's no way the NFL would allow that. <laughs> that would that would be like an immediate suspension from the game if you were wearing breakaway hair. Um, Devonta Freeman had a, a 4.0 average last year. Um, which is right on on our uh, on our line of like not being a very good running back overall, um, and it, it makes sense, right? Because the Falcons were, were forcing the ball to him in almost every situation. He was the kind of the focal point of the offense whenever it wasn't Julio Jones. So it was really just those two. Hit- yeah, but the
1: the number I like the most about him though is that he was targeted 97 times in the passing game. Caught 73 passes
0: Because they forced the ball to him in every situation When Julio Jones was covered
1: And they're going to have to do that again
0: Perhaps, but what I'm saying is uh, Opportunity wise uh, the, the Falcons They they have more They have a couple more options available to them So I think I think Devonta could end up having similar stats But he will have a less gaudy Touchdown number probably Because that was just um, an artifact I think of of the way the games were being played
1: he had 14 touchdowns, and one of the things I remember from looking at the quarterbacks this year was that um, Matt Ryan's touchdown total was very low. Uh, he only had 20 touchdowns this year. right? So um, I do expect that to go up. Maybe that means if a couple fewer rushing touchdowns. However, I think that it's going to go up on its own, speaking about Matt Ryan's touchdown total. So I think that Devonta Freeman, if he's featured as much as, as he was last year, can score another... You know, dozen touchdowns or more, um, but I think that uh, the backup uh, who's the who's the number two there now,
0: Tevin Coleman. Yeah, yeah. I
1: think that Coleman is going to have a lot more carries than last year, as long as he can hold on to the ball.
0: Yeah, they're they're going to be in a little more of a committee, and I'm not saying that Freeman won't have the role, and he did really well last year, and he deserves to get the carries, but he is sitting at a 4.0, which means that a lot of the times he wasn't he wasn't extremely. Um, uh, what's the word? He wasn't extremely productive productive at all. Um uh, but but still okay. I I think four is like I was saying earlier is sort of this line of like you should keep him in there um as long as, as you're not killing the guy. So
1: well four and a half didn't you say?
0: Uh no I think I don't think I did. Oh. Because four and a half would be more than Excellent. It's very good. Right.
1: Oh four and a half was the was the standard you set for guys who are always going to get the ball every carry.
0: Something like that. I'll have to go back and listen to it. But I would say if you're getting less than I think maybe it was four point five. But if you're getting less than four, uh, then you then it's, you're gonna get it like looked at as, you know, maybe we should get a new running back in there, basically. Right, right. You don't want a guy who's getting three point eight yards per carry. That's not, and not good And only two names.
1: fumbles, that's a good sign. You know, with that many touches, having touched the ball, you know, over three hundred and fifty times. You lose the ball twice, you know, on a team where the other guy has fumbling problems, they're gonna just Stick with you. There could be games where Coleman fumbles early and then they just stick with Freeman the whole game because of that.
0: So he's number eight. Uh, I don't know if I would go so far as to say arrow pointing up, but uh, I, I don't necessarily think he's going to do uh, worse. I
1: think we got another one of them sideways arrows.
0: I think the, the touchdown... Pointing left or right? I think the touchdown number is a little uh, uh, opportunistic last year, but we'll, we'll see what happens.
1: I still think his touchdown total will probably cap out around 12, so that it's going to be lower. But he's being drafted as such. He's not being drafted as the number one guy
0: again. He has the lowest yards per carry out of all the guys we've talked about so far. So that means something. To It either means that they're forcing the ball when they shouldn't, or that he's not as good as these other guys are.
1: Um, I think that it's, he's not as good as these other guys but
0: are. But he's, he's in a good spot, so the opportunity is good for him. He's
1: still really good. It's just he's not going to be a superstar.
0: Well, I mean, he kind of was last year, for at least for a time. Uh, Mark Ingram is our number nine guy. Uh, Ingram is someone that, that you liked a lot for various reasons. Um, he's had a little bit of trouble uh, maintaining his health, uh, but over the last two years uh, has gone for, let's see, 15 touchdowns and played a combined 25 games. So that's... that's uh, just as good or better than the other things other times he's ran in his career,
1: sure, twelve games last year, six touchdowns. Um, I want to see more than that, but almost twelve hundred yards from scrimmage, uh, the big number here, the guys we're talking about fifty catches, so you know, I like him in PPR leagues he's going to be used a lot by drew Brees
0: yeah, and you'd think that that uh because he started being this really uh decent passing back that he'll get a couple touchdowns. On the receiving end too, because he's never scored a receiving touchdown, which is an interesting stat. I'm sure,
1: I could see him, you know, coming closer to ten. So uh, I think his arrow's pointing up.
0: Yeah, and on the Saints, you know, you've got uh, a great passing offense, one of the best quarterbacks ever to play, tons of receiving options. So that's a, a team where it doesn't matter; they can't stack the box against you. They have to guard the the. Oh know, no, downfield. it is instant
1: death if you stack the box against <laughs> Drew Brees. So, instant death.
0: So Ingram's got a, a bonus right there. Uh, so I would say that the arrow is pointing, um, you know, even or up on, on him as well. Uh, again, it's a it's kind of a health issue for Ingram, but he has only played for uh, a few years prior to this, so he's not a super old player. He's only twenty six years old.
1: Right, he doesn't have the mileage on the tires.
0: Right. Um, and number ten is Lashawn McCoy. Now McCoy is on the Buffalo Bills. Now he played on the Buffalo Bills last year. And he had 4.4 yards per carry and only five total touchdowns, three on the ground, even though he rushed 203 times. Those are pretty dismal uh, touchdown numbers for a well, guy... you know who
1: was hogging all the touchdowns on that team was yep. Tyrod Taylor.
0: Sure. And, <laughs> and and Carlos Williams.
1: And Carlos Williams, yeah.
0: So, but that doesn't really matter. As is a fantasy player, you need to look at, is he going to get those opportunities or is someone else on the team going to get
1: them? You know, I don't think this very often with um, with these leagues where or with these guys who are older um, but I do think that his arrow is still pointing up I think because they've got like they've got Reggie Bush behind him then that's it and I don't see Reggie Bush uh, taking a lot of his work I see Reggie Bush as being a guy who might spell him a guy who they can comfortably use as a backup and will take you know punt and kick returns stuff like that. But I think that LaShawn McCoy is going to get a, a full play to work this year, and I think that he'll do well with it.
0: Well, it's, it's Mike Gillisley, who's actually the number two guy behind McCoy, I think. And oh, he, yeah. he had 5.7 yards per carry last year, so watch out for him.
1: He looked good, but, you know, Carlos Williams looked good, and then he looked good. I think they have a good offensive line.
0: Yeah, they do. The Buffalo has a good O-line, and, uh, and Williams was only thrown out of there because uh, he just couldn't stay in shape. Gained like 30 pounds in the offseason. He was also suspended
1: for the first four games of the season.
0: And so these things don't add up to a backup uh, running back. Right. Although I do think Carlos Williams will be picked up somewhere. Um, I'm
1: surprised he hasn't been picked up yet. Maybe they're waiting.
0: No one would pick him up now because if they wait until week one, they don't have to pay uh, the same amount of money.
1: Oh, I see. Because he can't start anyways. Mm -hmm. Gotcha.
0: So, I mean, look for him after the season starts to be picked up by somebody for sure. Uh, So, McCoy, you think his arrow is pointed up? um i i suppose he could have a really good season again i was mostly worried about the touchdowns which are a high amount of points for your fantasy players
1: which is why i think he's coming up because of
0: it he'll score more points than he did last year so um not a bad choice there so let's uh let's just go for the last couple here i'll I'll give you one you let me know what we're just a couple couple sentences and, and where you think they're pointed. so first is eddie lacy who's at number 11
1: uh, I think he's on a roller coaster. He was up and then he was down, but he's going to be back up <laughs> for sure. Back up.
0: Um, his um, his yards per carry for last year was four point one, which again is sort of dangerously like I don't know if you should have this job anymore. You know he
1: was abysmal, but he still finished as the number twenty five running back in a standard league.
0: Well, he he had one hundred eighty seven carries, so he still did get some work. But yeah, sure. him and Starks kind of split down the middle. Last I want
1: to see more catches for him. Uh, I I don't know that. It's going to go much higher than you know thirty because he had twenty last year, uh, but I'll, I think the touchdown total is going to increase. I think that the rushing yardage is definitely going to
0: increase. Okay, let's look at Doug Martin, who's the number twelve guy uh, on our list, and he is only a fifth year the running back. He's, he's been on Tampa Bay each year. He had almost three hundred carries last year, and he did have a four point nine yards per carry average. So, where, where does the uh, where does the ticker tick?
1: You know, he did have five fumbles last year. Fumbles, I feel, are a thing that people can get better at. Um, he was the number three, you know, overall running back last year. You
0: can fumble better, is what you're saying.
1: You can hold the ball better or fumble <laughs> fumble worse. I guess
0: you can fumble worse. Fumble worse. You heard it here first.
1: I'm really bad at fumbling. I like never fumble. <laughs> um, I I don't know that he's going up. I think that he's an arrow pointed sideways kind of guy. Uh, I've been encouraged by what I've seen from Tampa Bay in the preseason. Uh, If, you know, they have two really good receivers, and if they can get a good passing game going, that's just going to help Doug Martin, you know, break longer plays. And that's going to translate to more touchdowns for him. But I'm going to stick with, you know, Arrow sideways because he was the third best guy last year. I don't see him as, you know, a top guy.
0: It's because Winston has a lot of good targets, and he himself is a threat getting better. And Charles Sims is a, is a guy who's a backup, who still gets a lot of work, and is a fantasy-relevant player, um, you know, even though he's the number two guy in that offense with a lot of other people you know, uh, to feed. So I, I agree with you there. Uh, C.J. Anderson is playing for Denver once again. He's a fourth-year player, uh, 4.7 yards per carry both years, so he does do about the same production um, each year. Um, and he, Whether he's good or not. Well, <laughs> again, you know, he, he only rushed 179 times in 2014 and uh, 152 last year. So, if he's not getting the amount of carries and getting the opportunities necessary to score eight touchdowns uh, on the ground and two in the air, 10 total out of, uh, you know, those games that he played in 2014, that's why his numbers were gaudy because he had a lot of touchdowns. Right. So, uh, last year, Cana came back to earth. Um, now he's playing for a Denver team where he's still going to be that focal point uh in the running game, but Denver has a little bit of an issue with uh who their quarterback is. They have kind of an identity crisis.
1: They know their identity clearly. their identity is Trevor Simeon. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if anyone else knows who Trevor Simeon is, but he was a fifth round pick last year, uh, I believe. and um you know we'll we'll see what happens. I like c j. Anderson. Um, I think his arrow is pointed up because I think he'll, you know, he's not going to do as poorly as he did last year.
0: Why do you think that?
1: Because he's going to be the main featured back. I mean, this he, year is he, how I see it.
0: He has only run basically with Peyton Manning being the quarterback.
1: 152 carries last year is going to be more like 252 this year, I think. And if you, you know, another hundred carries, you know, that's that's a lot of yards, man. That's another 500 yards on him. That's going to be, uh, you know, where are we looking at? 1,200 yards from scrimmage instead. You can probably check on a few more touchdowns.
0: It's hard for me to believe that he would go from 170 to 150 to 250. Um, but we'll, we'll see. Um, obviously, he has to remain healthy, well, they don't win have the job the outright. The
1: annoying Ronnie Hillman split working this year.
0: We'll see. I mean, uh, the years are very different for CJ, right? That first year in 2014 when he blew up, he only really did well at the end of the season. Um, the 2015 season, it when seemed he like... he was the ball a lot. It seemed like he had a nagging injury or, or had some psychological issues. Um, and the problem there was that he just wasn't playing up to spec. Every time that you'd put him in, um, you know, he just wasn't being productive. So I guess the idea is we're thinking he's over whatever that is. Um, and I just we haven't seen him play at that high level for that long of a time, so it hasn't
1: happened yet. Or he needs to do it for 16 games. So but I, I we know that he can do it for long stretches of games. We we shall see. I, about th- I feel like he just needs to be given all those games. And you know, Ronnie Hillman's still on the team, but the rumor as of a couple of days ago was that he's in danger of not even making the 53-man roster. And if that's the case, you know, I'm not worried about there being a second guy there that's gonna. Even even so, even if he's on the bubble like this, I'm really not worried about a guy like almost literally splitting carries with him, like has happened in the past.
0: Yeah, well, I think CJ is entrenched as the running back. I'm not saying he's on the bubble of being a running back.
1: When that's why I'm putting his arrow up. Is yeah, I just I, I'm a little he's worried. He's going to have more production.
0: A little worried about Denver in general, I guess. Yeah, feel <laughs> free to be. But you know what? Their <laughs>
1: offense wasn't like cooking or anything last year.
0: Well, no, but but that's that's kind of the point, though. Like if. Their defense has to play at such a high level again that they're not losing games. Because if they are losing games, then they're not going to... They just they can't have C.J. Anderson running a whole bunch of times. So we'll see. We have to have uh, Simeon play um, at least as as well as Manning. And we all know Manning played terribly. But he's such a smart guy that there was probably some things that he did or called or saw... That you know these guys, Simeon or Sanchez, are not. He probably be able to...
1: was amazing at everything but throwing the ball. <laughs> right, exactly. And that's a lot when you're a quarterback.
0: Mm-hmm. By um, the way, there
1: was a Peyton Manning update today. He is not going to be playing football this year.
0: That's surprising. <laughs> uh, Latavius Murray, uh, Oakland running back, he is the number one guy right now. It does look like there's some other guys on the Raiders that might be infringing. He ran for over a thousand yards last year with a 4.0 yards per carry. So again, we're saying he's kind of on the, on the fence of, of being... And this makes sense because... You get
1: 1,000 yards at 4.0, it makes me think that you're a plotter.
0: Well, when when you look at, um, like we were saying, when you when you look at the situation on the actual team, a lot of these guys that have 4.0 or 3.9 or 3.8 yards per carry, there's always a discussion about someone's going to move up and, and overtake him or he's not that good of a running back. And you're seeing that on the Raiders um, just like you're seeing at those other places. Um, regardless, he had 41 receptions last year with a, uh, yards, uh, um, sorry, uh, an average of 5.7, which, which is pretty yards terrible. Catch? Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, what, running backs are certainly going to be lower, but uh, a running back average I like to see with a guy who's going to get the ball a lot is going to be more like seven or eight yards per catch.
0: Well, like. At least six. Well, like CJ had 7.3, although he doesn't get a ton of passes. Yeah. But yeah, you're gonna see these guys get um, more than him. Basically, uh, Doug Martin had 8.2. So uh, if you're getting five uh, yards per catch average as a receiver, it, it either means that your your quarterback is really in trouble and he's and he's just pitching it off. But I don't think that was the case last year with Derek Carr. What I think happened is that Latavius Murray, for whatever reason, is not uh, getting like that. He's not getting that separation. He keeps getting tackled right away. He's not getting out of the of the cover.
1: You know, the standard for being a really good receiving running back should be Darren Sproles. Last year he had seven yards per catch.
0: But it's that's not fair to be like comparing, you know, Woodhead. Isn't the or,
1: standard to be a really good receiving back? <laughs> I didn't say the standard for a, a an average guy or running the mill. Yeah. So there's going to be guys who are a little bit better still.
0: So is Murray still going to be the guy who uh, who is... Taking all the carries this year, or is DeAndre Washington gonna sort of slip up behind him and make it a committee? Um, what I'm saying is, is he a good uh, choice at 14, or is that arrow not not staying where it was last year?
1: I don't like it where he's at. Um, you know, he's being drafted 14th. Uh, he finished 10th last year. Uh, you know, he got a he got a large volume of carries to to get him there. Mm-hmm. and i don't know that he's going to get that again. He touched the ball 200 or sorry 307 times. Well
0: that's what i mean, yeah.
1: You know, i don't see him getting 300 carries if his averages are that poor. Not 300 carries but 300 overall touches. If, you know, if he can't break 1300 yards from scrimmage with 300 touches then there's a, there's an issue there. And so
0: so yeah, we don't like uh, Latavius yeah. Murray very much. I, I know I'm not yes. drafting him anywhere, and I don't think he's gonna stay in that top you know 14 spot. Carlos Hyde, uh, San Francisco. They're gonna have a really bad offense in general this year, and he only scored three touchdowns. He only uh, ran for 470 yards, and he had an average of 4.1. So
1: they lost the only other weapon other than Hyde.
0: Yeah. So I mean he's he's a serviceable running back. Um, probably average to below average on a team that doesn't have a, a really good uh, offense or any particularly bright weapons besides Carlos Hyde. So everybody's just going to be stacking the box, looking for the run, and and not worrying much about the 49ers.
1: And unlike someone like Adrian Peterson, stacking the box against Carlos Hyde is going to be you know, relatively effective, in my opinion.
0: Sure. And so his yards per carry might even be lower than 4.1 this year. Uh, That could be trouble for Mr. I don't know if it's
1: fair for me to call it an arrow down because I've always been down on Carlos Hyde, but that's you know, it's it's at least arrow the same as in I I don't expect too much, but he is a starter on a team where he's going to get a ton of carries and the offense is going to run through him. Um, You know, you you usually want all of those things going for you, but in this case, like I still don't want the player.
0: Yeah. Uh, Thomas Rawls, number 16, he had a 5.6 yards per carry, 830 yards on 147 rushes. A lot of his fantasy points came from uh, uh, basically the, uh, the the volume of work that he had there at the end of the year, and he had uh, a couple of, of really nice big breaks, which, which definitely added to that yards per carry. Now, this coming year, uh, he is not necessarily 100% Healthy. He didn't play in any of the preseason games. And he's got Christine Michael, who has been performing well in the preseason.
1: The preseason all-time champ.
0: And he has CJ Procise, who is a rookie who's sort of breathing down his neck. And a lot of people think Rawls is just gonna come in here and be the guy who takes the ball every time like Marshawn Lynch did. And I just don't know if that's the case because It seems to me that any decent running back does well in Seattle, just like they would in Dallas, for example.
1: Yes, but we've said that about Christine Michael for years, and it's not been true. So maybe maybe it can be true this year. But his
0: numbers, they actually played him last year, and his numbers were actually good, and he was used as a starter.
1: Didn't they cut him or trade him and then just had to re-sign him after he'd been cut somewhere else?
0: Well, that that all happened before there's a whole big thing. Before he ever even got on the field. Yeah. But what I'm saying is, I guess that must have done something to him, psychologically, etc. Um, you know, knowing that he's going to go through all these teams. He was on the Redskins for a while. Um, Possibly. It could. Anyway, the, the signs point towards, to me, that this is, is not necessarily just going to be a, a backfield that belongs to Thomas Rawls. So, I don't believe that he is the number one guy there, unadulterated. I will not take him, because I don't believe it. So... Agreed. I, I
1: think he's being drafted like that, and it's not there.
0: So if it is, his stats are going to be you know top ten because he can certainly run very well, and he proved that. But, Another guy
1: who people are probably going to look at that way, but really isn't anymore, is Matt Forte, who's number seventeen on the list. You know, he's going to be a guy who uh, is on a team where they have a backup that they really like. You know, the Jets love having Bilal Paul. they give him lots of work over the last couple of years and I think that he's going to continue to get a whole bunch of work so Matt Forte um, his heyday here in Chicago is over I don't think his uh, volume will translate over I think he'll still be a productive player for whatever they do give him but I think he maxes out at 200 touches this year
0: Based on on Matt Forte's averages, he is uh, he's a guy who is pretty consistent in what he does, and he gets a bunch of uh, receptions. Now, in 2014, he had 102 receptions, which was going to probably be his NFL high ever. Uh, it is
1: anyone any running back's NFL high ever.
0: Well, but uh, but we'll see what happens in in, in New York, and it's going to depend on the situation. I agree. I think his. Uh, his arrow is, is pointing down. He's a 30-year-old running back, but I've been proven wrong by, by old running backs before. And the Jets do have uh, you know, a decent offense, a decent team. And I know Forte has a little bit extra in the tank because he wants to get uh, you know, back into the playoffs, a place where he could never go as a Chicago Bear um, after they had the chance against the Colts and failed.
1: They, well, he wasn't even on the team that year. I know that he after that, been it's, just, it's been dead. Well, they air. made it to the championship game once with Cutler, um, and Cutler got hurt during the game, but Forte was playing. Um, but yeah, well uh, I, I agree. Matt Forte's arrow pointing down uh, when you think about where he was on, on the Bears.
0: Uh, Jeremy Hill is a, a yards per carry of 3.6 last year, 794 yards. He had 11 touchdowns, which made his fantasy value actually worth it, only because of the touchdowns. Uh, There was a couple games where he had two or three touchdowns, which were just great for...
1: Only if you started him
0: those weeks. Well, he still had 223 rushes, one more than he did in 2014, which shows that they want to give him the ball. And I would say that his arrow is is just where it should be. Um, He could do very well. I don't think Bernard takes more carries. Um, He might be more active because... Dalton only has AJ Green really as a target, but even if Bernard's taking more uh, you know passes, that's not really going to affect Jeremy Hill's points n- negatively because Jeremy Hill's game is um AJ Green gets a bunch of big passes, Jeremy Hill runs in for the touchdown.
1: <laughs> that's been his MO so far. <laughs> you know, Jeremy Hill, I'd love to believe, you know, all the talk out of Cincinnati that oh, he's improved, he's much better than last year, he's done this and that. Um, and even in the preseason games, it still looks like Giovanni Bernard is a little bit better than him. So I, I, I don't know what to say about Jeremy Hill. I guess arrow pointing sideways.
0: Well, that's what I said. and I think it, yeah, he'll have a, a sort of um, a similar Kinda amount.
1: Warm on him.
0: Well, sure, but but I think it's one of those situations like you talked about, C.J. Anderson. Jeremy Hill was surprisingly bad and unproductive, as you can see by his yards per carry last year. And uh, I don't. He's a young guy. Like, there's not really a reason why he can't improve from where he was. Right. Right. So we'll we'll see. And certainly, if he doesn't improve this year, looking at a guy with that 3.8 yards per carry, that means that they're going to to start looking into other options. And Giovanni Bernard is awesome, but they can't make him the every every down back. No, they would kill him. Please
1: don't kill Giovanni Bernard. I like the
0: guy. Well, it's like the old Thomas Jones, uh, you know, Jamal Charles tandem. Where both of them remained healthy all year because none of them was playing the entire game.
1: Right. And they would have killed either of them if, you know, they had to run them all the time.
0: Uh, DeMarco Murray, we were talking about the Titans earlier. Uh, he had 200, almost 200 rushes last year, six touchdowns. His average was 3.6 yards per carry. So DeMarco Murray not having a good time. Uh, <laughs> and the previous year with Dallas, it, it was a record breaking year for him and, and uh, actually broke some records in the NFL. Uh, 18.45 yards, 393 rushes, 4.7 average, 13 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, he was awesome. But you, you see the difference when you go to a, a young team that's really not built the way it should be yet, anyway, in Tennessee. And I don't think Tennessee has gotten that well, Murray much. Murray
1: was on the Eagles last year.
0: I'm sorry, Philadelphia. But but sort of the same thing. Same They're, situation, young team. They were like a rebuilding team. and, and uh, Well, the, the situation is a little different. And that they weren't letting him be a downhill runner. They were they were trying to fit him into a situation in which he didn't really work out very oh, well.
1: Tennessee is going to run the shit out of the ball this year. They're going to love it and they're going to be good at it.
0: Yeah, if if they're ahead, I just don't see that happening you know, very teams often.
1: Teams don't just abandon the run when they go down. And if they're if they're good at it, then they, you know, they'll be able to keep doing
0: it. That's exactly what teams do if they go down by a lot of points. By a lot of points, I said just down. Of of course, Tennessee will run the ball. Um, of course, they have some weapons out there.
1: Don't you have faith in Dick LeBeau to keep the defense honest and keep him close?
0: I mean, he's really old. <laughs> <laughs> well, you were talking about Derrick Henry earlier. I think DeMarco Murray's going to have some of his reps seized. And I think he's going to be two reasons why he um, is is not going to perform any better than 19th. Um, and I'd be surprised if he's in the top 20. Because I think one, he'll he'll almost split carries with the other guys on the team, and two, he won't have enough opportunities because they're not going to be winning the game, uh, you know, after the second quarter. So I just don't see it. I mean he's gonna get carries. I do not I do not disagree with that.
1: And you know what? I mean, I, I, I sort of have the same end look on DeMarco Mori. I kinda think it'll be more because he's gonna wind up basically splitting with with Henry. Um Rather than because they're going to be down all the time, they're not going to want to use him. If they're down all the time, he's going to be in the game a lot, and he's still going to get a lot of passes. Uh, so that could actually be good for him. Um, so I, you know, But I agree. I don't think DeMarco Murray finishes in the top 20.
0: Okay, and uh, Jonathan Stewart, last guy in the Panthers, last year had a good year. His yards per carry was still only 4.1, and he obviously wasn't doing so hot in the backfield. He's never really been a receiving back. He only got 16 receptions last year. But he almost broke 1,000 yards, uh, which is his second highest total in his NFL career. 989 on 242 rushes and scored six touchdowns. He's on a team where Cam Newton uh, and whoever it is that Cam Newton likes is going to be getting most of the uh, of the work in the, in those games. Uh, so it's usually Greg Olson, a receiver, and Cam Newton. And Jonathan Stewart was great, but he's like the fourth, you know, target.
1: <laughs>
0: so you're just you're gonna have to play games with him where you get like 80 yards and no Cam touchdowns. Cam Newton
1: is option one and option two. Greg Olson is option three.
0: Yeah. So you'll have. Consistency with Jonathan Stewart, but you're only going to, like I said, you're going to have some games where you get 80 yards and no touchdowns. And that's not great for a running back that, you know, is in the top 20, scoring you eight points um, for a lot of games that you're playing. Yeah, last
1: year he finished like between Mark Ingram and LaShawn McCoy. And I would rather have either of those guys this year. Sure.
0: Well, all right. All right, all right. Okay. Well, moving Ooh. moving into the it's uh, to
1: interrupt your ass. Okay.
0: What? Never mind. Moving into the wide receivers. Uh, let's let's do this a little oh, quicker. Let's lightning around this. Well, yeah. no, we have plenty of time. But let's let's go over the uh, the receiver action. And uh, the way I want to do this is is not by
1: we have thirty seconds per player. Go.
0: The way I want to do this is not one not by constricting the amount of time that you think we have. <laughs> uh, And two, I want to do it by targets. So opportunity on the team based on what's happened, how many targets they got last year, and what they'll have this year. Um, I'm looking at the most targeted players uh, from the top wide receivers last year. So if a rookie comes up, they're not going to be listed here. But that's okay because they haven't played in the NFL. And if someone is not listed here in general, even if they're on the list, it means they weren't one of the top targeted players. So that's just a little disclaimer. So Antonio Brown, he... Uh, had an average of 12.1 uh, targets per game.
1: That's fantastic.
0: He's obviously the number one pick. Um, is it possible for his arrow to point up?
1: Um, I don't think so, because last year he had 136 catches, 1,834 yards, 10 touchdowns, a return touchdown, two two-point conversions. Um, He was number one. He can't do better than number one. So... You know i'm not even gonna say that his arrow is pointed sideways because that would imply that there's some sort of staleness to this okay this is all like amazingness still it is all good um but i don't think he's gonna get much better i mean are you telling me that he's gonna have the best season that a wide receiver's ever had because that's about what it's gonna take
0: i think so but i'm not arguing that his arrow points up i'm i'm sort of agreeing with you. Mm -hmm. He's doing great and he should continue to as long as the, you know, obviously his quarterback is healthy and he's healthy.
1: And Julio Jones had almost the same year.
0: Well, we'll get to Julio. Odell Beckham uh, averaged 10.5 receptions, uh, sorry, targets per game last year. He's our number two guy. Um, I think the targets will tell you a lot about um, where a player should go. So that's, that's not... In the top five of targets, but Beckham scores on touchdowns more than uh, a lot of these other players do.
1: Sure, he had 13 touchdowns. A couple guys had 14 last year. Um, so
0: where's where's the arrow go?
1: We're at the are at the max there. Odell. Hmm.
0: No, Sterling Sterling I think he's
1: Sideways. I think he's a you know. I think he's sideways. I think that uh, things start getting a little, um, you know. Uh, I don't know routine in in New York with them. I think that he's going to do what you expect him to do: catch about a hundred balls, uh, get you know fourteen to fifteen hundred yards, and score tons of touchdowns. Oh, that's terrific. So it'll make up for you know not getting the you know thirty more catches. Per year that these really top-tier guys get because he's going to probably score more touchdowns than
0: them. Okay, Julio Jones, top average of uh, targets last year, 12.7 per game. Where does he go, up, down, or or stay the same?
1: Uh, I think he's pretty much in the same boat as Antonio Brown. Okay,
0: AJ AJ Green, 8.3 targets per game, Um, and he is pretty much the only receiver on his team right now. So does he point up because they lost the other receivers or no?
1: I think he does. In this, in this particular case, I think he does.
0: Hopkins, uh, obviously on Houston, 12.0 per game. Uh, and he's the number five guy we have. So can he get better? He is a very young player. Or does he just kind of stay up there in the top five?
1: You know, I just like these other guys who've had a lot of production, I feel like he can't get that much more. But he had four different quarterbacks last year. Of course he can get better. So I think he is an arrow-pointing-up guy. I think he might be one of the only guys who has... Any decent shot at having a better year than Antonio Brown and Julio Jones.
0: All right, Allen Robinson, number six guy that we have. Uh, he ended up with 9.4 targets per game. Still a lot here. Um, all these guys have been over eight. Uh, so he's dependent kind of on Blake Bortles and the Jaguars' offense. Uh, so does that does that go down a little bit because they, they might not be playing from behind every single game?
1: His stat line is a thing of beauty, right? 80 catches, 1,400 yards, 14 touchdowns. All nice and even All very good um, I think that he is going to Have the same sort of volume Of, of uh, production He had 151 uh, targets And only 80 catches So, you know If they are playing from uh, You know Tied or with a lead that's going to be fewer targets, but probably the same number of catches.
0: Des Bryant had uh, eight uh, targets per game last year. He lost his quarterback for at least the first uh, five or six games. Um, and by all accounts, Romo should come back. Dak was still hitting Bryant, though, um, in practice and in uh, in the preseason game. So will, will Bryant stay the same across the whole year? Uh, can he maintain his top 10 presence as a receiver? Um, I i'm not sure i I think that he has a good chance of doing that but he's certainly not pointing up
1: des bryant is a man on a mission this year he is gonna probably have some good draft value now that um you know tony romo is out and people are gonna think that he's not gonna be as good if you can take him in like the third round which i mean i'm sure that he is going well before that um then you know I think that Des Bryant could be a guy that uh, impresses this year. Yeah, his ADP right now is still eleven. So saying third round is really just wishful thinking.
0: Yeah, I mean he's he's but up late there.
1: two late There's... two. If you're sticking with them wide receivers, take him.
0: Well, this is what we're talking about. It 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 brings the guy down a little bit because of the news around him. Now some of these guys, it doesn't really matter who the quarterback is. AJ Green is going to have a good game generally, regardless. Um, We're looking at uh, Brandon Marshall, who was the number five uh, guy most targeted last year with an average of 10.8 targets per game. Now, it looks like he's going to be healthy heading into week one with his partner in crime, Eric Decker, and the same quarterback from last year, Ryan Fitzpatrick. None of the pieces were taken away. So does he uh, maintain what he's already done?
1: He's going to reunite with his old teammate, Matt Forte. It's true. (laughs) Um, Look, I think that Brandon Marshall has a decent shot at keeping up with what he had done this year. Um, It was his best season statistically. Um, You know, he did have 1,508 yards with the Bears and 118 catches as opposed to 109. Mm -hmm. Um, But, I mean, you know, I think that he has a real good shot at... Approaching his ceiling. He's gonna have at least 12. He's gonna have 10 touchdowns or more and he's gonna have You know 90 or more catches this year. I think
0: now a lot of people are saying that you know There's just not there's not any way he can get back to what he did last year because it was so lofty but And he's in a good spot and he's a you know Psychologically feeling good and has a good quarterback throwing him the ball It seems like he's one of the most unstoppable receivers in the league
1: um I don't know if I'd call him one of the most unstoppable receivers in the league. But I, mean, I would say that he is certainly one of the most productive. No, well we're
0: talking about like, a big possession receiver that will, will steal the ball out of your hands and won't allow you know I'm talking about like
1: six four, two twenty nine. He's yeah, a big guy. Right, exactly. And so, now that Megatron has taken the, you know, the high end of that category off the board.
0: Yeah, I mean the problem is when the top comes off a of Marshall and he just gets a hot head. Otherwise he's a really great receiver in general. Uh Mike Evans he had 9.9 uh, targets per game 99. last year, but he didn't really catch any touchdowns. Um, he did sort of catch yeah, it on... it for
1: me because I made a Mike Evans touchdown bet.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he did sort of catch on late in the year, and it looks like um, uh, he's starting to develop more of a rapport with Jameis Winston. Um, that team in, in general is just kind of going up from the bottom where they were. So is Evans worth uh, the number nine overall uh, wide receiver, and... Is he going to keep up those targets and, and get back to his production from the previous years?
1: His arrow is definitely pointing up because I feel like he's he's got to score those touchdowns. Um, that's going to come back to him. He had a huge number of touchdowns his rookie year. So, you know, you could call those averaging out if you want to average it out. He's going to score, what, nine touchdowns this year? He was the ninth best guy last year in a standard league with only three touchdowns. So yeah, exactly. Drafting so, drafting him ninth overall, you know...
0: I uh, think Evans is a steal, bad. personally. He's...
1: Who 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 else is being drafted right next to him? Uh,
0: Jordy Nelson.
1: Um, I, I like Jordy Nelson. Uh, Keenan Allen, Alshon Jeffrey. I, I, you know, Mike Evans is is way up there. He's gonna have the production, uh, that you know, in yardage, in touchdowns that Keenan Allen can't quite touch. Keenan Allen's gonna rely more on the. Receptions.
0: But what we talk about is sometimes these guys have an off year. So if we're talking about uh, CJ is an- off year, what's what I mean? CJ Anderson a Mike Evans, one of the players that doesn't have such a good year in 2015. Look,
1: if your off year still makes you a top ten player at your position, then I think that you need to be taken top ten.
0: Well, I like Mike Evans, and and yeah, the thing is, is he going to score more touchdowns to to go back and even that out? Then I think Mike Evans is is probably one of the best values that you can get towards the end. Of this uh of this tier of receivers um looking at Jordy Nelson obviously doesn't have any targets from last year since he was injured in the in the preseason but does just I think he was anyway but does Jordy Nelson uh stay at number 10 um do you, do you see that his production will
1: I like Jordy um I think that he definitely is a top five receiving talent in this league and, well, uh, what's
0: the reason then that he's he's being taken and ranked in yeah, many because places? He,
1: he didn't play last year; he was ACL.
0: Understood, but that's
1: the only reason I think that he's he's being taken outside of the, you know. Well, there's, there's outside of that top tier.
0: Yeah, there's the year off, and then there's the uh, the sort of age situation. But that doesn't necessarily. I mean, Brandon Marshall and Jordy Nelson are around the same age, right? So they they can still be productive. Yeah, and Jordy
1: Nelson has has one year of fewer hits on him now.
0: So, they can still be productive into this era of their, of their career. Um, so, we think he's. he's uh, you think his arrow is, is up, so he's a great value at that kind of a, of a rank.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I think that. I uh, would,
1: you know, I know where they slot the tiers. I would sl- have slotted him in the tier above.
0: I, well, that's just based on, on, on the individual rankings of this consensus group. I get you, but I think personally that he's going to be at the bottom end of the top ten and not the top end of it. For example, I don't think he can make you know top five receiver again.
1: Okay, but uh, still, as as the number ten guy, wouldn't you be okay with drafting you know a second guy who you know is going to be in the top ten?
0: Uh, yes, well, absolutely. <laughs> uh, Elshon Jeffrey is number eleven here. Uh, he got ten point four targets per game last year. He should continue to get that huge amount of targets. I think. Uh, on this offense, where he is kind of the offensive focal point, especially now that there is no Matt Forte, there is no um, Martellus Bennett. Uh, it's basically him, Kevin White, who's completely unproven, and Eddie Royal, who gets injured every game he plays in,
1: and Zach Miller and Jeremy Langford. So a bunch of guys who so haven't proved a whole lot in the league. Alshon Jeffrey, you know, has proved the most out of this offense. Other than Jay Cutler.
0: Well, he's been fantasy relevant for a number of years now. I mean, he's had games where he scores 130 yards and a touchdown. So it's sure. hard to argue against that, that kind of is production.
1: number two. Two years.
0: <laughs> so uh, so is his arrow pointing up or down,
1: or, or where is it going? I'm a Bears fan. I'm going to pass on talking about Alshon Jeffrey. Because <laughs> I'm down on him, and I don't feel like he's worth it, and he always puts up the points eventually. So I... I Personally, I'm not going to take him just because it drives me nuts.
0: Yeah, there's a reason why he's still up there because he keeps putting up good games. And then
1: I always see it. And I'm like, what are people thinking? But you know what? <laughs> you know, take an outsider's perspective on everything, and you'll do better. And he's like the one player I can't. So I'm just gonna not worry about Elson Jeffrey and fantasy. This All right, a
0: couple couple of quick chops here. Uh, uh, give me give me a couple of give me one sentence and, and, and an arrow. So Keenan Allen, San Diego. Um, he had 11.1 targets per game last year. Where is he pointing?
1: Draft him in PPR, arrows pointing up.
0: All right. Brandon Cooks, New Orleans, 8.1 targets per game last year, number 13 on our list. Uh, Is he going to finish above or below?
1: I think he's going to arrow sideways. He's going to have the same kind of action because they have people on the team still.
0: Uh, Mari Cooper had 8.1 targets per game last year. He's our number 14 guy, according to this list.
1: Pointing up, I think that he should be one of these guys they try to turn into a Julio Jones or an Antonio Brown and just feed him the ball, throw it to him more than 150 times for the year.
0: It's funny that you mention Julio Jones and A.B. in like the same sentence, because they're totally they're, different receivers. They
1: are. They totally are. However, both teams are throwing to them over 190 times a year
0: and cooper is going to be the a guy who gets a lot of tosses i think cooper
1: needs 10 targets a game
0: but michael crabtree is a really good possession receiver for that team they're not going to stop throwing to him eight times crabtree
1: a game. had the 10th most targets last year
0: exactly they're not going to stop that so there's not enough targets to go around for cooper to have that many i guess mm,
1: i think that they're going to be able to figure it out
0: okay sammy watkins had 7.4 targets per uh game last year He was productive with them, uh, number 15 rank uh, on Buffalo.
1: I think his arrows pointed up because Tyrod is going to be better in that offense. And the reason why his targets were so low last year is because Tyrod would run it a little bit more. I think he's going to figure a few more things out, get the ball to Sammy more.
0: Okay, T.Y. Hilton, who I think last year was one of the highest drafted wide receivers. He had an amazing year in 2014. He's our number 16 receiver, and he only got 8.4 targets per game Last year, but Luck was out for a lot of it So with Luck back, is he is he back up To where he used to be?
1: I think so We talked about Luck at the top of the show I think that Hilton um, you know, Is a guy whose arrow Is pointed up simply because He's going to be with the right quarterback again
0: So, so far we're looking at, um, at, at T.Y. Hilton At Sammy Watkins, at Amari Cooper At Jordy Nelson, at Mike Evans Those are all guys that you think are sort of being Underdrafted
1: Right, and I'm not saying it's by a lot But certainly, uh, I think that they could deserve a a slight bump.
0: Demarius Thomas had 11.1 targets per game last year. He had some games where there was 13, 14 targets. And and actually, a a good amount of them were were above that number 17 uh, in Week 6. He's our number 17 ranked wide receiver. Is Thomas going to be okay in this offense?
1: I don't know what to think about this offense right now. I know that we've talked about it an awful lot. We talk about how, well, they don't necessarily need the great quarterback play. Um, But I feel like if you're going to be starting wide receivers in fantasy, you want some good quarterback play, right? Um, Tamarius Thomas, at best, his arrow is pointing sideways for me. Sideways to down.
0: Okay, Randall Cobb, second receiver on Green Bay, did pretty terribly last year. Because, uh, in part, he was forced to play the number one, which he couldn't do effectively. 8.1 targets per game last year. Our number 18-ranked receiver. Remember, two years ago, him and Nelson were both up within the top 10. Maybe the top five. Where where does he live after 18?
1: Randall Cobb apparently played the whole season injured. But, you know, so do most players. Um, With Nelson back, arrow is pointed way up. And I think that... uh, they can really—they have the best chance at sort of rekindling some of that old heat from a couple of years ago.
0: All right, Macklin is. Uh, by the way, I don't think—I don't think I agree with you. I think Nelson. I think Nelson could have a, a good year. I I just don't. I don't know. I think maybe Cobb had a couple uh, uh, tricks, you know, that people weren't really used to, and now he's kind of the been thing that they said about
1: his injury is that he was unable to lift weights because of his injury, and so he wasn't as strong. So maybe now that he can, you know, get his strength back, uh, that'll just help him regardless of whether or not Jordy Nelson's there.
0: You sound like a Packers fan. You said you were a Bears fan earlier, but I'm not really sure about that.
1: Don't you tell anybody. <laughs>
0: Jeremy Macklin, 8.3 uh, targets per game last year. He's our number 19-ranked receiver. Um, it, it looks like he's finally broken the streak of Kansas City Chiefs receivers that have not scored touchdowns and have not been good in general. Um, the Chiefs are kind of picking up steam, and, and uh, he's their, their only receiver. So um, does, does, his, uh, does his workload continue to increase?
1: I don't think so. Um, The Chiefs still don't seem like they throw the ball downfield, so it's going to be a lot of catches for Macklin, uh, but it's going to be up to him to turn them into something, and he's good at that, but not great.
0: Eric Decker. Decker uh, is consistently, year after year, been one of the most undervalued people, especially in PPR leagues, Uh, but he scores a lot of touchdowns year after year, and for whatever reason, uh, towards the end of the year uh, or halfway through, he tends to have these games where it's like, 11, 12 uh, targets per game. He just gets targeted heavily in the red zone. Um, He had 8.8 targets per game last year as an average, and he's ranked our number 20. Um, I think he's going to be another uh, touchdown-heavy year for Decker, Um, and I think his arrow is always pointed up because he's never valued high enough.
1: I agree. I'm not enamored with Eric Decker in any way, shape, or form, but at 20, I feel like that's way too low for him. So I'm looking at this list you've got here and it shows the highest and the lowest ranking that you you know
0: best and worst, right. Best
1: and worst. So best fifteen, you know, is probably closer to where he should be. Uh worst was thirty two. The only thing I can think of is the guy who ranked Eric Decker thirty second doesn't know that Ryan Fitzpatrick was re-signed.
0: Well, this is recently within the last seven days. I know,
1: which (laughs) makes it just all that
0: more unbelievable. No, it's just people, they consistently put him lower because they think he's the number two receiver on a team. How could he possibly be in the top 20?
1: White receivers matter,
0: Dave. (laughs) All right. Yeah. Good luck saying (laughs) stuff like that, man. It was part of the WRM movement. I don't want to hear about it. All right.
1: maybe maybe there's a trend here that white receivers are not valued as highly as they should be.
0: Jarvis Landry ten point four targets per game. He was pretty hot last year on Miami. Um, He's our twenty one ranked player. Uh, does the Dolphins offense allow for landry to to overperform? Um, from a rank of twenty one, or is this kind of where you should take uh, where you should take him?
1: I assume this is standard. Um, we,
0: we're talking mostly about standard, yeah. Yeah.
1: In a PPR league, I want him higher, but he his yards per catch is like seven or eight. It's really low for a, for a receiver, and I don't, I just don't see it. I don't. Uh, he's fine where he is at twenty one.
0: Okay. Julian Edelman nine point eight targets per game. Uh, he didn't play in the last eight or nine games of the season, something like that. But he's back now and supposedly healthy. Did he play in the third preseason game in the Patriots? I don't remember.
1: Uh, I did not watch that game. I'm not sure I can check on that.
0: Well, he's our 22nd ranked wide receiver. He's going to be playing on the Patriots without Tom Brady for the first four games. Um, Edelman will surely still be targeted a lot, but is probably a better PPR asset just like Landry.
1: Yeah, so he did play, um, but he's he's healthy and uh you know he is going to be the top receiver on that team mhm so you know where he's at that's fine uh, i don't i don't think he is over or undervalued especially for a white guy
0: Doug Baldwin, uh, our first <laughs> our first Seattle receiver here uh, at number 23, uh, 6.4 targets per game. But the first half of the year was really different from the last half of the year. Russell Wilson stepped it up. His numbers got awesome. Their receiving game was, was way better than I've ever seen it before. Uh, is rank 23 appropriate for him um, because of guys like Lockett and stuff on that team? Or will Baldwin continue to move up the ranks year after year with this offense?
1: I'd like to think that Baldwin is sort of blossoming into a guy who can be, you know, a team's main number one for years to come. But
0: I like the Stanford guy. Yeah,
1: I, I don't see that with Doug Baldwin. You know, he he started out his career and he wasn't nearly as good as he was last year. Last year was a year where like everything kind of changed for him. You know, he went nuts with the touchdowns. I think that that's going to come back down. Um, you know, he's started. You know, not started, but he's been in like a, every game his whole career. Uh, the last couple of years he started, his average went up considerably last year, but it still wasn't great. Um, I think the touchdown numbers come down. I think he's probably being drafted right around where he should be, to be honest. I mean, yes, you know, someone on a team that's going to have a good offense needs to be drafted in the top 20 or 25 players. But there's another team that hasn't been mentioned yet that I feel warrants more attention than the Seahawks.
0: Uh, Dante Moncrief, uh, 6.6 targets per game last year. A lot of people think he's going to really step into his own this year on the on the Colts offense. Is Moncrief a guy that you have your eye on?
1: Honestly, no, um, because I haven't been paying too much attention to the Colts this year. After last year, uh, I, I want to reset on them, and I want to watch them for a little bit before I go taking them and you know, targeting them.
0: Okay, Golden Tate uh, on the Detroit Lions. He is a guy who has always performed really well uh, when Calvin Johnson uh, has not been in the game. Now Calvin Johnson is retired, and he also has a new compatriot, um, Marvin Jones. Marvin
1: Jones is the new Megatron?
0: Maybe. (laughs) We haven't talked about him yet, certainly. Uh, 8.1 yards per carry. uh, Sorry. Reception. uh, uh, No, not reception. uh, Targets per game. Oh. And uh, he's being drafted at number 25. I think Tate can do really well, but will Marvin Jones take too much away from him uh, so that he's not going to hit those numbers that he got uh, last year, for example?
1: I think what you should expect out of Golden Tate is more of what happened last year rather than what happened two years ago when Megatron was out. Basically, what happened with Tate was he had the same number of catches each year, but the year that Megatron was out, he had about 400 more yards. Um, I think that Marvin Jones is going to be getting a lot more of those down the field passes and Golden Tate will be used an awful lot and is worth it right here because he'll be the number one targeted guy on his team probably, but it may be a situation where, um, he gets more targets, but fewer yards. Kind of like, remember like Macklin and Jackson when they were on the Eagles? Sure. You know, he's Macklin and, uh. Marvin Jones is Jackson.
0: Because he's not running deep routes because there's someone else to do that. Exactly. Uh, Michael Floyd, 5.9 uh, targets per game last year. He had a couple really good games. Um, he's a guy who was supposed to be that kind of moving into that number one position. And some people think he still will.
1: How many targets per game?
0: Uh, he had 5.9 targets per Ooh. game. But a lot of that is because the first two games he only had one target. Uh, and then later in the in the year, he, was, he had one where there was a zero Um Anyway.
1: Yeah, that hurts. You know, I, th- this is the team I was mentioning just a minute ago, and I really think that Arizona could have a ton of production, but they may be, you know, fantasy-wise, suffering from too many mouths to feed.
0: Well, that is the problem. So you're looking at the top 25, and then the top 26 you have Floyd, and we have uh, 28 Fitzgerald and 30 Brown. They're ranked that way. That means right. that in between 26 and 30 in those five players, there are three Cardinals, because each cardinal will probably get, based on last year, a thousand yards and ten touchdowns.
1: WR three production uh, is what I see. Yeah. Uh,
0: so from all of them. Okay. So let's talk about arrows. And and what I what I want here is let's say Larry Fitzgerald is able to uh, put up good numbers. I don't think he can get what he had last year. That would mean that for for him, for me, he's sort of being drafted where he should be. Do you think that Fitzgerald's going to have another amazing year because he's going to push to go to the Super Bowl and win it all? His last year playing in the NFL.
1: Um, I think that... Because that's the story. Yes. I I actually do think that. I I said that when I drafted him a while back, and I was only half joking. I do think that Larry Fitzgerald is the kind of player that can put the team on his back and that can bring them to the promised land. All that great gravy cliche stuff. Um, You know, Larry is that guy. He could have that kind of year. Do you believe it is the question? And if you do believe it, then you need to be drafting him over the other guys on that team. And if you don't believe it, then I think you take Michael Floyd. And if you miss the boat, then you take John Brown. But you're not really going to go wrong with having any of these guys as your WR3.
0: So so the, the debate here, um, if you're not talking about Fitzgerald, which most people aren't, because you're either going to be on or off that train, but uh, who's going to be the guy who, who actually steps up to become the number one receiver next year and the guy who's going to get more points this year? Is that going to be John Brown, who has... Had some concussion issues, but has obviously been demonstrably good at football. Or Michael Floyd, who's had some serious psychological issues and and drop problems, etc. But has also had stretches of being an incredible receiver in this offense. You think it's Michael Floyd over Brown? Is that right?
1: You know, the Cardinals seem to be the kind of team that likes to help guys get their shit together. So yeah, I could see Floyd doing that because John Brown. You know, the problems you listed for him are things that. Are much harder to recover from much harder to fix
0: okay well just because i don't I, I think that michael floyd is is kind of a head case i would go i would go after john brown so um we can, so is
1: tyron matthew
0: well <laughs> so uh that, that's something to think about it would you would you be interested in, in, in betting in a standard league with those those two guys they're sure production?
1: but you're not gonna let me take my guy that i do like
0: with fitzgerald yeah well it'd be a different bet then right uh, how
1: about fitzgerald will do better than either of the two
0: well, Fitzgerald had more targets per game. He was used more as a focal point of the offense. Uh, so, yeah, I don't think I can do that. I, I can't mix him in here. I, I think that he's he's obviously still um, being targeted more than the other two guys are. And I'm not going to bet against a guy who's getting more targets.
1: Right. That's, that's a smart thing for you to do. <laughs> or not.
0: Uh, well, maybe we can discuss that later. But I would
1: take John Brown in a bet. Or, I mean, Michael Floyd in a bet. Why okay.
0: Not? Well, then we should do that. Let's... Uh, Let's let's do uh standard standard uh scoring league um th- through the end of the 2016 season uh and we can bet on um we can bet on a um Let's see it's always always good to have a good uh Let's see it's a beer and a beer and a burger bet that's that's the answer.
1: Okay. Uh Great. location chosen by loser <laughs> Beer and
0: by loser, okay. So, like, burger
1: chosen by winner.
0: So, we're, we're from the Chicago area, it's like, so I can't just say, like, I want to go to Auschwitz, which is going to be like a $25 beer and burger, right? Right, <laughs> okay. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin, number 27 on our list, he doesn't show up because he was injured last year and didn't play for the whole year. Um, it's Jordy
1: Nelson disease.
0: The jury's kind of out about whether it's going to be Devin Funchess or Kelvin Benjamin or a combination of those two, but both are big red zone target guys. what about Ted Yeah, what about him?
1: <laughs>
0: it, it, both are big red zone target guys that Cam Newton could split equally or pick one in favor. Uh, so right now the, the odds are that it's going to be Benjamin, the odds from most fantasy pundits, because uh, he did so well the previous year, and I think he's a little bit bigger... Um, of a target in the red zone. So with uh, knowing what he did in 2014, saying he's going to come out in that role, uh, I think that 27 is, is definitely a low spot for him. The reason why people are ranking him lower is because of Devin Funchess and the uncertainty principle.
1: Right. It looks like Devin Funchess is pushing him. and To be honest, like as, as long as both of the players are talented, that's a good thing. That the two guys are competing because they're just gonna make each other better and they'll probably end up pushing Ted Ginn to the back burner, which is what I assume you think is gonna to happen too.
0: Yeah, because it's gonna end up being Olsen, whatever wide receiver is, is, is good, and then you know, Cam Newton and but they wish Stewart. they had
1: kept Steve Smith to sort of mentor these guys.
0: I think he was too expensive for them to renew their contract.
1: And you know what? Maybe you don't want Steve Smith mentoring. And it's
0: them. not like he's done amazing <laughs> things for Baltimore, really. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, Plus, he has kind of a temper, doesn't he?
1: He's a little bit of a loose cannon.
0: So number 29, it's our last guy because we already discussed uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Jordan Matthews is number 29 from the Eagles. Jordan Matthews is clearly the number one receiver there. It looks like the Eagles don't even really like uh, Aguilar and and, uh, some of the other guys that they've used in the past. The Eagles are completely under new management, um, and they're going to have what looks like sam bradford for at least the time being because carson wentz according to all reports is not ready at all to be playing quarterback uh, matthews had eight targets per game last year um and i think he's a better a guy to have in a ppr league but it's interesting because he's a guy who can put up big numbers now the thing that's changing in the eagles offense that's the most uh uh, easy to see Is that they're probably going to run less Offensive uh, They're probably going to run less pass calling plays So if that's the case In a standard scoring league Matthews then has to Do better at catching the ball and scoring touchdowns He's a young player Is, is he worthy of a top 30 position Or do you think that uh, you know He should be pushed back down And that he's being drafted too high
1: Top 30, that's fine with me I mean at that point, it doesn't bother me too much. Um, so he's being drafted near guys like Alan Hearns, John Brown, obviously Devontae Parker, Tyler Lockett. Um, I would rather have a Matthews over a Parker or a Lockett for sure. The number one receiver. You've got a number one guy. Hearns maybe not because he seems like one of those number two guys that can really produce a lot. Um, hell, he was a top ten guy last year, and he's being ranked 32nd right now. Sure. So that, you know, that, that's a place you can look at for a little bit of value. Um, but for the most part, the guys being taken around that area, I would take uh, Matthews over him, over them. Yeah, makes sense. 30 so is good, but still just kind of like a sideways arrow for him, not really pointing up that much. So,
0: so that's the scoop uh, basically with what I'm going to call the top 50 out of the running backs and wide receivers. Um, where the arrow points is up to you, But I would I would take some of these things at uh, at face value when it looks like the team is going to Move in a certain direction. It's important to recognize that and especially when you're going into a draft this weekend or early next week uh, And you have somebody like um, like a Jordan Matthews or like we were talked about with um, with Jordy Nelson, you know being maybe underdrafted or Guys that are being overdrafted like perhaps you're talking about Kelvin Benjamin or guys where there's there's possibilities they could move um, through the depth chart the wrong way. Right. Um, you should try to stay away from them. You because, don't want guys going south. Well, because you have the option to. So whenever you have the option to not draft a guy who could be wildly inconsistent, you should probably take that, right?
1: I Yeah, unless you're getting in a, in a stupidly good value for him.
0: Yeah. So next, it's,
1: it's essentially a flyer at that point.
0: So uh, next week's show is going to end up being the week one preview. And I just wanted to take a moment to ask you guys uh, and girls to check us out at drink5.com and uh, we're going to have tons of articles throughout this year thanks to our wonderful staff and to us of course and if you have any questions or comments you can always email us at daviddrink 5com or jason at drink5.com follow us on twitter and like us on facebook do all the things that uh, that you've always wanted to do
1: that you do on the internet to learn things
0: yeah do internet things it would be Tuesday. It, it would be lovely.